Hey, Olivia. Welcome to Drunk of the Book Club. A podcast for lonely, drunk bookcasters. Cheers. Cheers. What are you drinking? Um, a huge bottle of Malbec Rosé. Ooh, delicious. Yeah, I, it's actually a great love story <laughs> where I was holding this huge, like, bottle at Whole Foods. Uh-huh. Went to go buy sour cream. Another lady holding the same huge bottle of rosé, <laughs> reaching for sour cream already. What? Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, can we be best friends? But I was afraid to talk to her. But I was like, that's... That's, That's true crazy. love right there. That is crazy. And a woman after my own heart. Seriously, you guys should have just been like, all right, let's go kick back yeah. with these sour cream <laughs> drinks. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what you were planning on doing, right? Mixing them, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. I'm trying to invent my new, co- my, like, a new personalized cocktail. Yes, I had a feeling that was the hip thing the kids yeah. were doing these yeah. days. That was the end result. Mm-hmm. I am not drinking a gin and tonic. I'm drinking Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, nice. Yes. Delicious. It is quite good, quite refreshing. <laughs> um, so what did we read? So we read An American Marriage by Tayari Jones, which I'm now seeing was an Oprah's 2018 book club selection. Yeah, I noticed that. There you go. Amazing. So what was it about? This was a story of a newlywed couple Mm -hmm. who um, is trying to figure out kind of what married life looks like and within the first year year and a half I think it is um the husband gets arrested for a crime he did not commit um and it's broken up into three sections uh the first section is kind of telling what led up to it Mm -hmm. and also talking about it's their letters back and forth while he's in prison Mm mm-hmm the second section is, is that post-breakup? Yeah. Two, I can't really remember. Two is... Prepare a table for me. Oh. So it's like the prep of him, he's about to get out of prison. Yeah. And then, then it's like while he's actually out of prison. Um... And dealing with the fact that his wife has started seeing another another man. Yeah. And then, oh, is it just the two sections? Maybe. Oh, no, there's a third. Um, oh, the third is, like, when they actually meet. Right, okay. So the second one is, like, is, like, him and her, her it's them all learning that he... Has, he's getting out of prison. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And like and right after one, he gets out. Yeah. And the third one is when they are meeting in real life after he gets out. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's like broken up like that. Um, it deals with their struggles um, as they're first married and being separated. Um, and then it also deals with her leaving him mm-hmm. and starting to see someone else. And there's 
lot of tragedy, yeah, sadness in the book. Um, but yeah, I actually really liked it. Yeah. What did you think? I really, really, really liked it. I literally wrote nothing at all. Like, I didn't write anything because I was too busy reading it really quickly. Uh Like, I flew through this book. I don't even know how long it took me, but I just, like, started it and could not stop. Like, I could not put it down. Yeah. So... I'm going to suck at this conversation because, like, I can't even, like, look back at anything that I highlighted or underlined because I didn't write anything. I was just, like, too busy reading. Yeah. I actually feel the same way. I think I finished it in, like, two days. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. As I mentioned before we started recording, I was definitely crying on the bus at one point when mm. she writes the first letter that she's leaving him. Mm. Oh my God, my heart broke. Yeah. Uh, But this is maybe one of my favorite books that we've read. Yeah. It was amazing. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And it was just like, whew, it was really emotional, like you said. Yeah. It was like, like painful, but also, like I said, I could not put it down. Like, I could not stop myself. Like, it wasn't like I – it was, like, painful, and I was like, I can't read this anymore. It was, like, it was painful, and I was like, I have to keep reading this right now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I feel the same way. Um, I, I, like, lost track of time reading it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I just was in this world. Yeah. You know. Um, Me, too. But I really liked the setup. I liked the letters. Mm-hmm. That was a great way to tell the story. Yeah. Um, I think that, like, there was a lot of big ideas, or not big ideas, but um, shocking, like, ideas brought up in here. But I felt like the way that each one was dropped was pretty seamless. Like, him not knowing his biological father mm. and then him being in prison with him like none of it felt like too fantastical or like dramatized it just Mm -hmm. it all just seemed really natural and real yeah that is like one plot point that I think could have been poorly done like it could have seemed just kind of like whatever no way that seems insane and I think in their letters he even brought up like that it doesn't seem real that he could be here that he could be my like cellmate um but I think it was really well done and then when you get like that full circle spoiler alert I guess that the mom you know his mother was like soothed I guess by the news that he was in there with his dad that was just also really powerful because I feel like a lot of this is about their marriage but it's also about like you know, family relationships and, like, the connections between fathers and sons and mothers and sons. Um, not I, And to an extent, like, d- daughters and parents. But, like, I think mostly because Roy was... I felt like he was the primary protagonist, even though we saw Celestial's point of view and Andre's point of view. I felt like Roy was kind of the primary protagonist, and so it was, like, his relationships with his parents, too, were a huge part. Yeah, no, I agree. There's a lot of, like, familial... um, What am I trying to say? Relationships happening, I guess. But Mm -hmm. even 
yeah, a lot of it was parent-based, mm-hmm. but, like, even the part where I think Celestial talks about when her she bonded with her aunt. Mm, yeah, um, that's true. I forgot about that. There's different moments of each person. Even, like, Andre goes and has a moment with his dad. Yeah. You know, like, everyone has a moment with their family and different members in it. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a big part. And then, obviously, like, another constant theme was, like, them trying to have a baby. Right. Yeah. So that continues on. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm thinking about that choice of having the characters each kind of speak at different points. And I think that was really powerful because there was never a point where I was like totally like I'm team whoever. Like I was back and forth the entire time about yeah. like I identify with, I mean, not through my experience, but just through like, uh, you know, uh, being on their side, I guess I would, I would be like, I'm on Roy's side or I'm on Celestial's side or I'm on Andre's side. Like I was never, I, it was constantly like back and forth. I, I don't think that this was, like, moralistic. There was never a point at which it was, like, there's the person who's in the wrong and there's the person in the right. I think it was, like, a right. very real depiction of, like, really genuinely complex relationships and complex situations that nobody does anything wrong to be in those situations, you know? Totally. I thought that that was one of the most interesting parts. Like, <clears throat> on the surface, if you were, like, oh, man's in jail, wife leaves them, starts dating their best friend. Like, mm-hmm. sounds like a surface-level bad situation. But, yeah, these are all, like, very human and relatable instances, and you can't blame anyone for the way that they worked out. Um, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The one part that I was shocked was when Roy's first, or um, Andre's first section where he's talking about how he's always loved her. Mm-hmm. I did not see that coming. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Interesting. They were just, like, best friends. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe I just, like, wasn't paying attention. I also didn't... This might just be, like, my romantic side. Yeah. I also didn't expect them to... I didn't expect Celestial and Roy to actually divorce. Oh. So I think that I was just, like, reading it from, like, that expectation. That yeah. in the end, things was going to work out. Yeah. So, like, why would this character be secretly in love with her? There's oh, no I see. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was not sure who she was going to be with. Like, that yeah. sounds like the conversation, if you would just, like come into it without reading the book it sounds like a very like you know who's the girl gonna be it sounds like trite and it sounds like like you said surface but it's really not but still I wasn't sure up until even like the last few pages how it was gonna end up and like you know she you know she decides at a certain point again spoilers if you're listening to this like you know stop go back and read it and then come back and listen to this but um (laughs) I, you know, she, she decides she's going to do the right thing. She's going to, 
She's going to give up Andre. She's going to go back with her husband. She's going to help him, like, transition back into life after being wrongly convicted and imprisoned. And, like, for a second, I was convinced that was how it was going to be. And so, like, up until the very end, I was not... I couldn't predict. And I'm like somebody who, when I'm watching a movie or I'm reading a book or watching a show, like I love to like predict. Like I'm constantly yeah. like, I'm always turning to Michael and be like, this is going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I could not do that with this book. I could not. Yeah. Well, and I have this terrible habit where I love reading the last word of the book. Mm. And so I didn't look at the epilogue when I looked at the last word yeah but I saw like I just like I usually just open it and take a quick peek yeah and I saw the word Georgia uh-huh and so I was like oh if he's calling her Georgia like they're definitely still together right oh that's so a good I, point that's also what ruined my <laughs> perspective of it this is a book that not that we're jumping to this part already mm-hmm. but I'm going to 100% recommend to everybody yeah I'm not giving away my copy. No. I'll buy this for people's birthdays. Yeah. But, like, I'm keeping this. Yeah. I feel like this is... I don't know. Like, I want to now talk to... I want to talk to other people who've read it and talk to them about, like... Because it's called An American Marriage, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. what was the podcast where she was interviewed? Like, I thought it was Call Your Girlfriend, but then I thought I couldn't find it. I remember in that interview, she was saying that, like, she was trying to come up with a title, and, like, either her editor or her agent was like, you know, what does it need to be called? And, like, she was talking about how, like, there is this kind of, like, the reticence, I guess, to say, like, an American marriage, because it's the kind of title where it's, like, this is standing in for, like, a whole societal understanding of, like, a big concept. And I think also because, like, these are black characters. And I think, like, if you're looking at the canon of, like, American writing, it's super whitewashed. And a lot of people who think of, like, classic American books are thinking of, like, very, like, white writers. And so, like, I love that she ended up going with an American marriage because I think it's, like, perfect But it's also, like, I spent all this – when I was reading the book, I was really thinking about that concept, you know, of, like, what is marriage and, like, what were their relationships? And that was something that obviously comes up a lot. Like, you know, when his dad, when Big Roy (coughs) is mourning the death of his wife and he's talking about, like, son, you don't know, like – this was a real marriage. This was a real love. You don't know what you're talking about. And then when Roy is like thinking about going back to his wife and like they weren't even together for that long. And it was just, I was like, I was very much in the mix of trying to like figure out, I don't know if it's like, what's the message, but like, what are some of the, my big takeaways about like what an American marriage with that title like means for this book, but then also like wider ripples, you know? Totally. No, I think that's interesting. Um, marriage is obviously a huge part of this book. Like you just mentioned, it's not just Celestial and Little Roy. It's Big Roy and Olive. It's, mm-hmm. um, what are Celestial's parents' names? Uh, and I forget. Franklin. Franklin. I just think of him as, like, 
the inventor. <laughs> right. Um, the orange juice inventor. <laughs> right. Or whatever he made. Um, yeah, Roy and his parents, like their marriage, you know, um, and I think between like the one, two, three, four marriages that we're looking at, Mm -hmm. you get a pretty wide look at what all different types of marriages can be. Yeah. And in the end you get Celestial and Roy where she's saying, I don't want to get married ever again. Mm-hmm. Like, this is my path, which is, you know, another look at what couples and partners do. Yeah. So you really do get a lot of different perspectives, I think. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because I think with Celestial and Roy, you have, like, this romantic relationship that – is, like, very tumultuous, right? They talk about how they just, like, have this, like, sort of, like, this fight, but then they go to being extremely passionate. And I would argue that I think, like, that kind of, like, extremeness is very romanticized in a lot of, like, literature and movies and shows. Like, that is kind of, like, the example of, like, this is romance. Like, you're going to lose your mind over it. And then with Andre, she has, like, this really, really comfortable and, like, safe and warm romance that is, like, so natural that she didn't really even realize that it was there for very many years. You know, he was pining for her, but, like, it was something that she kind of, like, eases into, like, almost, like, into, like, a warm bath, you know? Like, it's just super comfy. And that's really interesting because I don't think that kind of romantic relationship is what we really see very often in, like, depictions of romance. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too, that that's the one that her dad was leaning towards for so long, Mm -hmm. you know, and kept saying, like, well, you have him right here. Like, why don't you pick the easy path once in your life? Here it is. Yeah. Uh, but also interesting that I think he was also her dad at the end when Andre's like, wheez- yeah, when he's like weaseling his way mm-hmm. into her life, he's not about it. Yeah. You know? And like his, her dad had sort of a, what's the word? An interesting marriage. Um, and like how they end up together, but right. he like is not supportive of this path. For yeah, her. yeah, and to be that like pushes Andre for so long. Right, and I can't remember. Maybe it was the aunt who, or maybe, maybe it was Andre's mom who said like, "Okay, so he's like all about Roy right now." Well, was he all about Roy when? He was actually out of jail, and they were together. And Andre's like, no, he wasn't. And she's like, well, you know, no dad was, like, a fan of the guy who's sleeping next to his daughter. But I think also, like, her dad, you know, for... he This comes out, like, at their Thanksgiving dinner, but, like, for him, like, Roy is almost like... Like, a, the archetypal, like falsely imprisoned black man in America who is, like, the victim of racism and a system that 
you know, doesn't value him as a man in the same way that it would value a white man. So it's like, it's almost like for him, Roy isn't even like his daughter's husband anymore. It's like, it's like he's, he's Odysseus, you know, out at sea coming, trying to come back to Ithaca. Um, He's like an idea of a person as opposed to a real person. Well, and I think, and we'll never be able to find it in there, but he says something along those lines too at that dinner table where he's like, you're leaving, I think he says something as simple as like, you're leaving a falsely imprisoned black man. Like you're leaving that, that thing, not you're leaving Roy. Right. Right. You're leaving that title. Right. Um, yeah. Which I think that's why it made me cry when I read it too. I was like, don't leave him. Yeah. He's falsely imprisoned. I know. And I'll be honest, like, I definitely went back and forth, like I mentioned before, where I was never like, I'm 100% team so-and-so. Like, there were points in those letters where I was like, Celestial, like, you're being shitty. And then there were points in the book where I was like, Roy, you're being shitty. And I just, it wasn't like at any point I was like 100% on anybody's side. And I think, like, who, who in any, who in this situation could be like all perfect you know in life of course but like in this situation in particular it's like so hard totally well and then you know i think that they he talks a lot about how like you don't know what it's like in here you don't know what i'm going through and they don't talk a lot about what prison life is actually like yeah one thing that like really stood out to me was when they're reunited finally and they're in the bedroom, and he's, like, manipulating her into trying to have sex without a condom. And um, he says something like, I could take it if I wanted. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was so dark and scary, especially yeah. because of why he was falsely imprisoned. Right. You know, and I feel like that was something that they didn't really talk about at all, about how, like, People say, like, prison changes you. Right. Uh, but they just touched on things really lightly like that. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I mean, you can't blame someone for not sticking with their partner. Yeah. Truth, but it's, like, unimaginable. Totally. Yeah, I think I remember at some point he, like, does reflect on that and is like, I can't believe I've become the kind of person who would feel that for a moment. Like he recognizes it and is like, I can't believe that that's what's happened to me. Um, it's super, you're right. Like that scene was really like, I found it frightening, you know? I don't know. I love this book. This is probably one that I will read time and time again. Yeah. Like, definitely, if I'm on, like, a flight, I'll probably bring this one again. Yeah, that is a good idea. Because it is very readable. Like, yeah. it is not a book where I started it and was like, ugh, I have to, like, push through the beginning to, like, get into it. I was, like, immediately, like, yeah. entranced. I was in it. The writing style was super easy, too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, there wasn't too much description, but you also weren't left, like unknowing right um it it was just super clean i liked it 
Yeah. I really felt like the focus of the writing style was like building character. And I feel like she did an amazing job of building these characters. Yeah, totally. But I had really good ideas of who they all were. I'm like fascinated about these dolls though. Oh yeah. Like I I don't know why, I just can't understand a world where there's just like a doll shop. <laughs> Like crystallized, dolls. <laughs> like hundred dollar dolls. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, again, I'm like drawing on this like <laughs> this interview that I know existed. Like, I'm not making up this interview. I did hear it. <laughs> this is how I heard about this book. But I remember her saying something about like how it was kind of like an an Odyssey story, you know? And so like Penelope, or in this case, Celestial. Like, in the original story, she's a weaver, and she, I remember in this interview, she said she did want her to be, like, an artist, like, working with making things, um, kind of, like, as an allusion to the original, and so, like, she wasn't, like, a weaver, but she does kind of work in textiles and, you know, making these dolls, and I think it's really interesting how the dolls end up being, like, the babies that they don't have. Yeah. And they are like constantly, they mentioned so many times that they have Roy's face. And yeah. it's like this physical manifestation of, you know, some of the mourning of the relationship they don't have and like her estranged, or that's the wrong word, like her imprisoned husband. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, maybe the the future that could have been. Right. Well, and I think... I feel like they touched on that slightly towards the end when that guy buys the one, like that last one that looks like Roy, mm-hmm. and he buys it. I feel like they say something about, yeah, like that future. Yeah. But I don't remember. But yeah, those dolls end up being a huge part of it. Um, and like the one that she ends up making for Olive. Mm-hmm. Um, that was supposed to wear his baby clothes. Right. That was so interesting. Yeah. And I... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I found it really interesting that, like, at one point in his narration, Andre mentions, like, something along the lines of, like, and obviously I know that so many of them look like Roy. Like, he's aware of it and he acknowledges it, but it's not something that he, like, feels like he can... Like, how could he? How could he be like, why are you making all these dolls look like Roy? But it kind of, like, really brought home to me the fact that, like, although you would think, like, on the surface that Celestial and Andre's relationship is, like, they have been friends since they were children. It's, like, a childhood romance. It seems so simple and easy. Kind of like how you mentioned the dad was, like, this is the easy choice. But because of the circumstances and how they got together, like, their, their relationship will never be easy. Like... Right. There's, like, so much built into it and how they came together. There's, like, inevitably that, like, I guess you could you say trauma and grief over what happened with Roy. Well, I think in that same section that you're talking about, it starts with him saying, like, how do you love a widow? Mm-hmm. And yes. And then at that end there when he's saying, like, of course, I know they all look like Roy, but, like, what can you do? She's a widow. Right. He, like, keeps calling her that. Right. Uh, sort of acknowledge that loss. I mean, that's similar to what it is. You know, she 
fully lost her husband. Right. But then the complication of him coming back and that like shock for them when he is released. And it's like, that is completely, they've been living in a kind of a limbo, you know, where Andre can, Andre can think of her as a widow and she can think of Roy as like, you know, somebody who she cares deeply for, but who she doesn't have to really face any reality with. And then suddenly that's completely turned upside down and they have to actually like figure out how to live a life where he's not imprisoned, but they are together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like they were kind of living in like, yes, a limbo, but like a fantasy limbo. Totally. Where they didn't really have to deal with that at all. Yeah. For five years, you know, um, then as soon as, she gets that letter, all of a sudden reality hits. Yeah. And they have to figure out how to deal with it and how to talk to Roy. Right. And, like, Andre, like, yes, he, he like, proposes to her, but, like, the timing is so much so that it's, like, it's almost like that's his, like, attempt to, like, hold on and be like, wait, no, you know? Right. Hold on to that fantasy. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. And she was iffy then, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you sort of convince... I mean, I guess they don't end up getting married. She doesn't want to get married. So I guess she wasn't iffy about being with him. Yeah. Just with the marriage party, so never mind. Yeah, but also, like, iffy about, like, what her responsibilities were. Like... Yeah. What were her... Like, she mentions a few times, like, how she says, like, yeah, Andre, like, you can go tell him... And she acknowledges that, like, this is actually woman's work. Like, this is something that he's not going to do justice to. And it turns out he doesn't do justice to it because he completely misses yeah. Ryan. So she's like, I was always the one who had to take on this responsibility, and I was just trying to avoid it. Yeah. Totally. Which, I mean, fair. Who yeah. wants to have that conversation? Yeah. That would be so but, impossible. Ugh. Yeah. I would not, not want to do that, especially with someone who was your husband. Right. Oh, yeah. Terrible. It's crazy. But I loved it. Yeah, me too. 100% a fan. Two thumbs up. Now I want to read Silver Sparrow. I know. Does she me have too. other books? Um, three previous novels, three. including Silver Sparrow. Huh. Okay. Gotta catch up. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, the drunk of the book uh, conclusion. Great book. <laughs> Great book. <laughs> Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Yeah. Please read. Yeah, seriously. And are reading at the same time as I mean not two. I know. So, hey. We're all the same. She doesn't even like reading fiction, so. So there's a sign. Yeah, that is a sign. Like. Really good book. It's great. Like, devastating, but also, like, beautiful, and uh, it's just really good. Yeah. Devastating. I cried a few times. Yeah. But real. Very. Except for maybe the dolls. Maybe that part is not real. Yeah. The dolls were weird. The dolls don't maybe I don't believe in a world where you can sell the- I don't know, though. Maybe, maybe in Atlanta there is a... Um, a market. Maybe. I was like, wait, so they started because she learned how to make sock dolls. Yeah. But 
But then these have crystal hair. Yeah. Okay, that's the other thing. Whenever there's a book where they describe, like, some kind of artwork and I can't see it, it, like, kind of yeah. infuriates me. <laughs> like, where's yeah. the picture of the dolls? Right. Yeah, no, I feel the same way because I'm like, okay, my Nana used to collect, like, porcelain dolls. Uh-huh. So I'm like, this is, like, a soft, not a rag doll, but a yeah. soft doll. Yeah. Covered in... It's, like, bejeweled, yeah. I can't imagine it. <laughs> I just, I guess I can kind of, like, envision what I think it would look like, but I want to see an example. Like, I want to see, like, show me a mock-up. I want to see right. these dolls. I'm very curious. Totally. But also I'm thinking of, like, where is a place where you could have a doll shop like this? Like, I'm envisioning, like, could you have one on, like, Piedmont Avenue? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, if people are spending, like, $500 on, or what, like, $100 on dolls for their children? Yeah. But, like, these aren't dolls that you play with. Yeah. Right? But, okay, keep in mind, like, those porcelain dolls. Like, my grandma used to give me those, like, creepy porcelain. Sorry, grandma. But creepy porcelain (laughs) dolls. I never played with them. They just, like, sat in my room and stared at me. That's true. Yeah. Same. They just were, like, very creepy and Victorian. Like, why are all dolls in that same time period? It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. That's a great point. I was a big fan of American Girl dolls, though. I was, too. Those were pretty. I don't know why, though. I loved all of that, like, historical fiction stuff. Like, I always read the books because I thought it was, like, fascinating. (sighs) Going back, they're, like, super problematic, but whatever. Yeah. What doll did you have? Um, I am really spoiled. Because I was the first grandchild. Yes, I had two. I know, it's, like, very embarrassing to say that. Like, I don't <laughs> like to advertise that because they're expensive and crazy. Oh, yeah. I had Samantha, the Victorian doll, and I think I got her, I think I was given her first. And then the follow-up doll was Josefina, and I think maybe my grandparents were like, you need you need the, like, Mexican doll because you're Mexican. Don't forget it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but not fair because those dolls are ridiculously expensive and I definitely did not need to. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that's so funny. What did you I have, have? I had Molly. Oh, yeah, 1940s. She, yeah, she had long brown hair with bangs and glasses and mm-hmm. so did I. Yes. So I definitely have the matching outfit. Too. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh, my God, I love it. I don't know what happened to it. Please but, say it's, like, in your parents' closet somewhere. Yeah, I definitely had the matching, like, uniform outfit. That's amazing. Yeah. I liked great. her stories. That's where I learned about a victory garden, the Molly stories. Oh. Yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> I was also very into these books called, I don't know if you remember them, but they were, like, always in the book fairs at school, Dear America. They were, like, diary-style books. That were, like, written from the point of view of, like, girls at various points in, like, America's history. Wait, that kind of sounds familiar. I was, like, very into, like, fake diaries because I thought it was, like, fascinating. And then it was also, like, historical fiction, which I was also very into. So it was, like, right up my alley. (laughs) So I was super into, like, the diary thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I was into like some of the historical fiction as a kid too, which is weird. I don't like it at all now, <laughs> like at all. But I was obsessed with like World War Two era. Uh huh. I guess that's when you le- are learning about yeah. it too, right? Yeah. But that's why I liked Molly. Yeah. She was like from that era too. I don't know. Weird. It is weird. I remember. So. Oh, go ahead. About like the Holocaust of that age. Yes, yes, yes. Because there was well, you. I think you read the Diary of Anne Frank. Yeah. In like elementary school or something, like really young. Yeah. And then, um, I was obsessed with The Giver. I actually never read that book. Oh my god. I haven't read it in a long time, but i that's a book that, as a kid, I read over and over and over again. Damn. But that author had another book called Number the Stars. Yeah. And it was, did you read that one? No, but I remember the title. Also very good, about two girls who were friends in World War Two, and they get separated. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of really intense books in that time, like, in that, in that great, like, uh, young adult, or not even young adult, I guess it's still children's books. Yeah, I feel like I was, like, 11, mm-hmm. 12. Anyways, could talk about childhood historical fiction. Yeah, good stuff. Real good stuff. <laughs> um, what are we reading next? Next, we are reading uh, Between the World and Me by ta Coates. Yay! Yeah. So that'll be a good one as well. Yeah, excited. Yeah, I feel like we got a lot of great book ideas, but as usual, please send us book ideas. Yes, our many fans. (laughs) Yes, please send book ideas, and don't feel shy about reaching out to us on social media, which you can find us everywhere at Drunk of the Book. That's just our handle. That's just us. It's just who we are. It's just who we are. <laughs> Let's get reading. <laughs> <laughs> My voice like cracks. Perfect. <laughs>